0: You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Hey, isn't God good? God's so good, isn't He? Look at your neighbor and tell him God's good. Hey, man, I'm excited about being in church. It's good to be here. It's good to see all of you. Look at your neighbor. Tell them how beautiful they are. They're just good looking. Yeah. It's great to be here. I trust you've already bought your Star Wars tickets early. A new movie coming out here in a few weeks. We bought ours. <laughs> God's so good. In this Advent season where we're celebrating our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And if you'll turn me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. We're going to look at this whole chapter today for a few minutes and, and you can just go to Acts 16 and stay there. And, uh, I'll be sharing a few other scriptures, other places, but the bulk of everything we're talking about is from right here in Acts chapter 16. And the title of the message is, The Prisoners Are Listening. The Prisoners Are Listening. And in Acts chapter 16, well if you go to Acts chapter 15, right at the very end of Acts chapter 15, Paul and Silas are leaving Jerusalem. And Paul is starting what they call his second missionary journey. And they're, they're going north out of Jerusalem, and the Bible says that they go and they and As you get into chapter 16 and all, that they go to the, the several churches that are already established, and they, be, and they strengthen the churches while they're there. You know, that really encourages me. I think the churches need to be strengthened all over the world today. And that's what Paul is doing, going and strengthening the churches with Silas. And so they're continuing on their journey, and, and uh, they go to a place, the Bible says in Acts 16, called Lystra. And that's where they find this young man called Timothy. And all of us have, that have been in church for a while have heard of Timothy. Maybe you have, you're not a regular church goer. Maybe you're new to this thing. And, and, and let me say, we're talking about the early church that was established a few thousand years ago. And Paul was just a man that was chosen by God to carry this good news to, to the Gentiles, to the, to those places, and even went to the Jews some in the synagogues and talked with them. But he was chosen, handpicked by God, to carry this good news to people who had never heard it before. And, 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 he's, and he's going, and he's, he's already made one missionary journey and planted churches, and now he's going back even to some of these churches that he's planted. And He's encouraging them, and he's strengthening them, and he makes his way to Lystra. And he finds a young man named Timothy, and Timothy wants to join Paul. And, hey, man, hey, what a, what a guy. I mean, now we have a first and second Timothy because Timothy wanted to join Paul. And, and it's interesting, and I'm not going to go into any detail, obviously, but it's interesting as you read that passage that Paul takes Timothy, and he circumcises him as a young man, before he can go on the missionary journey with him. Because Timothy was half Jew, and he wanted the Jews to allow Timothy into the synagogues. And that's another message. That's a great leadership training. But so Timothy does what Paul asked him to do and and joins Paul on his missionary journey. And so they continue the journey kind of west, northwest along the Mediterranean Sea, And Paul is wanting to go into a certain area called the province of Asia, as you read in Acts 16. And and what's interesting, the Spirit of God says no. Isn't that interesting? He's wanting to go and strengthen churches or maybe plant churches in this region and go to some churches he's already planted. And the Spirit of God says no, not right now. Wouldn't permit him to go. So he continues to go up a little bit, and he goes into a, a, an area, and he wants to go to Bithynia, the Bible says in Acts chapter 16. And again, the Spirit of God would not permit him to go to Bithynia, so he goes on to Tros, and the Bible says that at, at night, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia, and, and Macedonia is a region of that area. Paul has a vision, and this, man's, this man in this vision tells Paul, come over and help us. Come help us. So Paul received that as instruction from the Lord, and he, he leaves Tros. And by the way, by, at Tros, Luke, the author of the book of Acts, actually joins him. And I think that's really significant for what we're about to share, because what we're about to hear happening in Philippi, where Paul is going, is Luke is a first-hand witness. He's there. He joins them at Troas and goes. They went to two other cities, and then they end up in a place called Philippi. He and his group, his team with him. And the Bible tells us, as we continue to read in Acts chapter 16, that Paul wanted to find a place of prayer. He and his companions, they were going to a a place to pray. And the Bible says, it's around verse 12, that they went to the riverside. Why is that significant? That tells us, number one, there's no church in Philippi at this time. Because they're going to the riverside to pray. And there's also, by the way, this Philippi is a Roman garrison city. It was one of the prominent cities in the, the Macedonian region. And it, and it was a military town. And... and and there's no church there, but also, something that might significant also, is there's no synagogue there in Philippi either. Because uh, according to Jewish law, there had to, and, and it lets you know there's, there was a small Jewish population there, because according to Jewish law, there, if there were ten Jewish men in a community or a region or a village, they had to build a synagogue. Well, there was no synagogue there either. So Paul Here, I guess he heard there was a group of people that were by the river praying, some ladies, the Bible will tell us. And he goes to the riverside, and while he's there, he meets a woman named uh, Lydia from Thyatira, the Bible tells us. And the Bible tells us that Lydia (laughs) gets born again. And what's happening in Philippi here is a church is being birthed. How many of you heard the book of Philippians? (laughs) Well, that's that's the book that Paul wrote 10 years later to the church in Philippi, the church that he planted on this second missionary journey. And here in this story, Lydia gets born again. And what I love in in verse 12, uh, uh, let's see, let me see. No, it's in verse uh, 15 of Acts chapter 16. The Bible says this, she and her household... Wow. It begins to open up a huge picture to us. That, that, that God is not just, he's interested in individuals, but he's also interested in households. God wants to touch a household today. And let me encourage you today, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you have children or a husband or a wife or relatives that aren't following God, Let me tell you, I believe that you have a promise from God that he wants your household to be born again. He wants your household to become followers of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible tells us here that Lydia and her household are baptized. How cool is that? A church is being birthed. But then something else really interesting happens, and this is what we're going to focus on Today in this passage, the next day or so, Paul is again going to the place of prayer with his group and obviously going to meet the people there. And the Bible tells us in this passage that there's a a woman who is a fortune teller in that city. And she made a lot of money for her masters. She made a lot of money. Because she had this, I don't want to get used to too many, uh, like what we call religious terms, but she had this spirit of divination on her where she could tell people's future. She was a fortune teller. We all heard of, heard of them. You know, I heard one time that fortune telling was one of the most wealthiest businesses in our country. How sad. But you know what that lets me know? That people are looking for purpose. Looking for hope. But this lady made her masters a lot of money. And so she starts following around Paul every day and that his group. And she starts saying, these are servants of the Lord. They are sent here with a message of salvation. They're here. They carry the message of salvation. Paul and his companions are servants of the Lord. And they're carrying this message of salvation. And every day she was doing this. Every day she was doing this, but her motivation was wrong. Really, it was, she, it was wrong. It was coming from the wrong spirit. So finally, the Bible tells us that Paul got exasperated with her. <laughs> he got upset with this woman. Let, let's, let's, let's go ahead and read it, Six, verses 16 through 18. It says, one day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Sounds pretty spiritual, doesn't it? <laughs> wow. But but this went on day after day, the Bible says, until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her. Now it's important, and we're not going to talk about this today, but it's important to notice he said to the demon in her, not to her. Paul wanted to set her free, and he did. He said to the demon in her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Amazing story here. But you know what happens after this? Her masters got ticked off. (laughs) They got upset at Paul. Why? Because she was delivered now from this evil spirit and she had brought them, uh, she had made them wealthy. Through her, they had become wealthy, the Bible tells us. And Paul. (laughs) Cast that spirit out. He set this woman free. And these men, these masters, they got angry at Paul and his team. And this Is what happened to them as a result of that. In verses 22 to 24. It says a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Wow. Really they were wrongfully accused here. And they were beaten and cast into prison. And most of us that have been in church for a while know this story. But because what happens next is something that I, I'm still trying to wrap my heart and my mind around. Because these guys, Paul and Silas, did something in this inner prison, having been beaten, their feet put in stocks, they did something that just is kind of mind blowing. The Bible says in verse 25 around midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening <laughs> They begin to pray and praise God in that inner dungeon. That was their response to being thrown into prison, to their backs being beaten with rods, to being wrongfully accused. Their response was to pray and to praise God in the inner dungeon. That just is amazing. That kind of baffles my mind. No praise and worship team to get them motivated. Come on, somebody. They didn't have a congregation. Well, they did have a congregation. It was prisoners. It wasn't a bunch of other Christians around them saying, come on, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. I like that. We need each other. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but they begin to pray and to praise God in that prison. And man, all week long I've been meditating on this passage and and uh looking at this passage of scripture and and I knew God wanted me to speak from this passage but I just couldn't I couldn't just identify clearly what I, I needed to say today and what God wanted me to communicate. And so Friday morning early, I was praying, and I said, God, I asked God, put this thing together for me. And I, I, had been, I had been sick for a few days, and I hate being sick, oh, with a passion. My wife says, Amen. Because I'm a big baby when I'm sick. I, I admit it. I Nope. I'm a sissy. Uh, you know. Uh, men are just that way. I've heard that. Uh, Margaret was telling me that her husband used to be that way. and and, and But, I, man, I am. I, I mean, I whine. I complain. I mean, I hate being sick. I don't like being slowed down is the thing. And, and, uh. And so I was feeling a lot better. I'd called some prayer partners or texted some prayer partners and said, pray for me. And I, I honestly, honest prayer works, people, because I, right after I texted them, I started feeling better. Bam, 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 bam. And Friday morning, I was feeling a lot better, and, and I was up praying and asking God about this message, and, and I, I, like to go, I like to go to the gym. And I'd miss several days, you know. I'm, it's kind of something I try to be committed to, and I'd miss several days. And I know you're out there, and you're looking and saying, "Yeah, I can tell, Pastor Ken, you go to the gym." But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I was. It's kind of funny. One day, I just I thought about this. One day, we were we like to joke around in the office, the of staff and stuff. Pastor Andy and Pastor Justin back there. And one day, I come into the office and and uh, and I I looked at I looked at them and and I said. And I was looking serious, you know, and I said, I told, I told Pastor Andy and Justin, I said, I got arrested today. And boy, you know, Pastor Andy, he gets that look on his face like, oh my goodness, this, I don't need this, The staff member getting arrested, you know. He gets that serious look, I said, yeah, I was leaving the gym and I had sleeves on my shirt, so the cop stopped me and arrested me for carrying two concealed weapons. And... <laughs> 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 It's just a jo- <laughs> Listen, it makes this fifty-three-year-old man feel good. All right, all right. <laughs> it just makes because I can tell this body's just kind of slowing down a little bit, you know. And and so just a joke about it make fun of. it, I cut up with my family about it. They get tired of it, you know. My kids roll their eyes. They're like, "Dad, shut up." And but I was on the way. I went on my way to the gym and I just felt good about getting there and so I walked into the gym and I guess I just had this look on my face because there's this African-American gentleman there that's pretty he's a little bit taller than me and he's really pretty stocky build and he's a financial advisor in Port Arthur and he does, he's a motivational speaker some and he knows I'm a pastor and different things and I walked into the gym and he's there and he's the same age as I am and I'm walking and the first thing I do when I walk into the weight room is I go to the water fountain and get a drink I'm kind of thinking about what I'm going to do and he He stops me, and he says, whoa, I don't need to get in your way. You're a man of purpose. I can see it all in your face today. You're a man of purpose, and I'm not going to get in your way. And then he referenced my favorite movie, Forrest Gump. He says, it's like Forrest Gump going on that long run. And nobody knew what he was running for, but he had this big group of people following him, because he just looked like a man of purpose. And that one guy says, I'll follow you, I'll follow you anywhere, Mr. Gump. <laughs> this is a guy that knows where he's going. But he had no clue. He just looked like he was somebody, a man of purpose. And from that encounter at the gym, it just exploded in my heart. How Paul and Silas could pray and praise in that dungeon after being beaten because they were men Paul was a man consumed with his purpose his purpose for living he was consumed with his purpose for living And I used to say it this way. Paul and Silas could pray and praise inside that prison because the prison was not on the inside of them. But prayer and praise were on the inside of them. But now I had, I've had to change it and say it this way. Paul and Silas could pray, pray and praise inside the prison because the prison was not on the inside of them. Prayer, praise, and purpose were on the inside of them. They lived life with a purpose. And in this moment where they're wrongfully accused, where they are beaten with wooden rods, cast into the inner dungeon, their feet put in stocks, they could pray, they could praise because they were consumed with purpose. And it was, they knew it wasn't their purpose, it was God's purpose for their life. And I believe God wants to challenge you and he wants to challenge me today to be people of purpose, to live life on purpose. Rick Warren says it this way, you were created by God for God. You were created with a purpose today. And how do we become people of real purpose? Number one is this. Just four things I want to share with you this morning quickly here. Number one is this. You need to know that you have a purpose of providence. Now that's, a, again, a Christian term. And so let me just, just tell you, some of you, most of you probably know what providence is. Providence just simply means this, that it's something that's divinely inspired by God and is designed by God. And if we're going to be people of purpose God's purpose we have to know we have to know that we have a divine inspired purpose from God that you have been uniquely made by God with a unique purpose for your life and some of you today let me just challenge you and let me just say that 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 purpose needs to be renewed in your heart this morning you have a purpose of providence That word purpose in in the Greek simply means this, a setting forth in advance for a specific purpose, a deliberate plan, an advanced plan, an intention, a design by God. Galatians 1, 15 through 16, Paul writing to the church at Galatia, a church that he planted. And this is what he says to them, because he... He's writing them some other things going on in the church that I don't have time to go over, but this is what he said about his own life. He said, but in verses 15 through 16, Galatians 1, but even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, he said. He said, God chose me. God chose me and I don't know what the circumstances of your birth are today. I don't know how no matter what age you are, I don't know what the circumstances of your birth were. But I can tell you this. God made you with a purpose. God didn't make God doesn't make mistakes. He makes people with purpose. And you have a purpose today. And it needs to be a purpose of providence designed by God. Even Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophet, writes in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, it said of him, that God spoke to him and said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. What was he saying? I've got a purpose of providence. God set me apart even before I was born. And I challenge you today to connect with that purpose for your life. God's purpose for your life. To know that you're not an accident. To begin to live life out of that purpose. I, can, I, I promise you that if you don't connect with God's purposes, uh, you'll connect with the devil's purpose or other people's purpose for your life. Somebody will have a plan for your life. Connect with God's purpose for your life. The second thing about your purpose is know that your purpose is personal. It's got to become personal. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not speaking or teaching that we need to be an island. No, by no means. But you need to see your purpose for your life as personal. It's something between you and God. That God created you for and designed you for. It's personal, because what did Paul say in Galatians one sixteen and seventeen? That after after he revealed that you know he knew he realized he understood that God had a purpose for his life even from his mother's womb. What did he say? at the end of verse 16, he said, when this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being. Why? Why did he not do that? Because he knew his purpose came from God. And yes, we need each other. And yes, (laughs) God has called us to be together as a body. But each one of us has an individual purpose in this body. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and read about it later. But God has a purpose for you and it's personal. And God wants you to connect with that, to know that you're valuable and that you're important to the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter what you've walked through. It doesn't matter your mistakes. God has a purpose for you and it's personal. I love, I love, I love, love, love getting prophetic confirmations. I love that. We need, despise not prophesying. But I want you to know my purpose doesn't come from prophesying. My purpose comes from God. This woman was going around. What, wasn't, she, wasn't she kind of saying what their purpose was? This woman uh, of divination, this, this fortune teller. Wasn't she kind of communicating Paul's purpose? But you know what? Paul didn't need to hear that from her. <laughs> what if Paul would have looked to what that woman was saying as his source of his identity and purpose. That everything about his life would have been depending upon that woman. (laughs) That wasn't his source. That wasn't his identity. It came from God. Your purpose is personal, and you need to own it. Take ownership of that purpose that God has put inside of you. You are unique, and God has uniquely designed you for a purpose. Justin, will you come? Own it. Know that you're special. You go around telling people all the time that they're awesome. Why don't you look in the mirror and tell yourself that you're awesome? That God has a purpose for your life. Own it. Let it be personal. Your purpose, my purpose, doesn't depend on man's approval or disapproval. It's from God. Own it. You have a purpose for being here. Own it. God has designed you with gifts and with talents. Own it. Because it's, it's a purpose of providence designed by God. That's, that's important because of the third point I want to make is your purpose has to become greater than your pain. Everybody look here real quick. Look at me look right here. Your purpose has to become greater than your pain. How could they withstand a beating and cast into the inner dungeon and then pray and praise because their purpose was greater than their pain. Every one of us experience painful moments in life. Every one of us. But the purpose has to become greater than the pain. Because here's what happens. If my pain becomes greater than my purpose... (laughs) My purpose ends up in the parking lot of pain and it just stays right there. And then, when my purpose in life is in the parking lot of pain, everything in my life is filtered through my pain instead of my purpose. Every decision I make is filtered through my pain and not my purpose. Every conversation I have is filtered through my pain and not my purpose. Every decision I make is filtered through my pain and not my purpose. Everything I do for the church is filtered through my pain And not my purpose. My purpose is parked in a parking lot of pain. When all along, God's saying, let me heal your heart because my purpose for your life is greater than your pain. In fact, your pain will help you fulfill your purpose. God's purpose for your life, again, is greater than your problems. God has a purpose behind every problem. He has a purpose. When your pain becomes greater than your purpose, here's what happens. Follow me. Your pain becomes greater than your purpose, everybody. Here's what happens you become full time refinery workers, but part time followers of Christ. You become full time teachers, coaches, executives, but part time followers of Christ. You become full time employees or employers. But part-time followers of Christ. You become, and all these things are good, because this is life. We become full-time moms and dads, but we become part-time followers of Christ, because we're living life out of our pain and not our purpose. We become full-time retired people and part-time followers of Christ. Hmm. I, can be, I, I, I can become, and the rest of this pastoral staff can become full-time pastors, but part-time followers of Christ. if we decide to live our life in the ministry and what we experience out of pain and not purpose. <laughs> because then we stay parked in the parking lot of pain, living life from that position. Wow. Our purpose of providence, our Personal, uniquely designed purpose is now parked in the parking lot of pain, and we become part time followers of Jesus Christ. But please hear this God has a purpose for your life that's greater than your pain. It's greater than your pain. Please hear me. God has a purpose for your life that's greater than your pain. And today I'm commissioned by God to say, Move beyond your pain. Step into your purpose and follow Christ with all of your heart. Become a full time. Not, not, Some of you may be thinking right now, Pastor, you you know you're really talking to me. Hey, that's not condemnation. That's the Holy Spirit loving you and saying, hey, 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 I'm here. I've got a purpose for your life. You're not too old. You're not too young. You haven't made too many mistakes. You haven't experienced too much pain. I've got a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for your life far greater than your pain. Don't let the struggle you're currently going through keep you from the blessing that God has for you. Please. I mean, I've got to tell you, I, I will struggle whether I needed to share it, and I will not share it in a lot of detail, just brief details. But I want you to know, my, just recently, My wife, I love her so much, experienced an event where she was done wrong. I mean, openly, she was done wrong. There were some things that were said about her that were a lie. It was wrong. No doubt, it was painful for her, for me. But I want you to know, we made a decision from the beginning. Amen? That we were going to bless those <laughs> who, were, who had done us wrong. Well, I, and let me just say this: I'm not, we're not some super spiritual people because we haven't always done this. But there was just a grace there. And we made a decision that we were just gonna, in this moment of pain, we were gonna pray for and bless the people that had done done a wrong. <laughs> and I want you to know there has been such a heavenly peace that passes all understanding. We have not fretted one moment. We have not worried one moment. And not because we're someone special, but just because we made a decision to say, listen, our purpose is greater than our pain. And man I want you to know. When you do that. God begins to do some incredible things. Because it happened to Paul and Silas. In that prison cell. The Bible says an earthquake, an earthquake came. And it shook the foundation. And the prison doors were open. And the shackles that were on them. And the other prisoners in the prison was loosed. Because here, here it is the last point. Stay with me. Don't go anywhere. Here's the last point. Because your purpose is about people. Wait a minute. I'm the one in pain here, but I promise you God wants to use your pain to touch other people. Your purpose is about people. Your purpose, your purpose of providence that you t- that's personal, that God uniquely designed you for. And even though you've experienced pain, your purpose is about people. Why? Because the Bible says that when Paul and Silas were singing and praising, what does it say? See, I could have titled this Purpose, but really, this is about people. (laughs) The Bible says the prisoners were listening to them. Man, I want to get passionate about this. I want to spit everywhere. I want to jump. Can I tell you that people in your moment of pain are listening to you? And what are they hearing? Because your purpose is about people. It's amazing. Every one of those prisoners, the the Bible says they were set free, the prison doors open for them, stocks come off of them. That's amazing. And it didn't stop there The prison guard wakes up The earthquake realized what's happening And he's like oh my goodness The prisoners were gone And so he draws his sword to kill himself And they weren't gone Now think about it How many prisons in our land If the prison doors came open They wouldn't start running <laughs> And I'm out of here I mean we don't know what they were in prison for we know why Paul, why Paul and Silas were there. But how many would be saying, man, I'm, I'm getting out. This is a prison break. Bam, I'm gone. But please hear me. It wasn't about being freed from prison. It was about people. Because Paul spoke up and he said, whoa, hey, wait a minute, jailer. We're all here. We're all here. And that jailer's response is, what can I do to be saved? Wow. What can I do to be saved? Man, Paul's new church plant's already growing. What can I do to be saved? (laughs) And what, what did, what was the response? They replied in, Acts 16, 31, they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. Again, there it is in that chapter. You'll be saved along with everyone in that household. They go to Paul, they go to this jailer's house, and his whole family's born again. God wants your family saved. But he wants you to answer the call. This jailer's whole household is born again. Wow. Think about that. Pastor Brian Houston, the pastor of Hillsong Church in Australia, many of you, we we love their music and and different things. But I read this comment by him. And I, I wrote it down here. He said this, a blessed life is one that understands that when God saves you, he has others in mind. I believe every Christian needs to know that they are not only saved, but are also called to live a life of purpose. Church, you have a purpose. A purpose of providence. You need to take it personal. Your purpose needs to be greater than your pain. Because your purpose is about people. It's about people. It's about people. We've got serve day coming up two Sundays from now. You know what serve day is about? People. People that are in prison to their drugs, to their alcohol, to their broken relationships, to their broken marriages people that are in prison to sin and they don't know the way out (laughs) and God those prisoners they are listening to what we're saying and I pray that on serve day they hear a loud voice coming from Freedom Christian Fellowship A, a voice of prayer and praise it says, we have the answer. It's Jesus Christ. The prisoners are listening. It's, it's, it's about people. Listen, I'm going to close. This is going to be my final scripture. Philippians chapter 1. They'll have it up there on the screen. You can turn there if you like. It's twenty one through verses 21 through 26. This is going to let you know how passionate paul was about people okay because he's writing this to the again to the philippian church that he planted there and don't it, justin this is kind of wild i wonder if some of the the deacons and the overseers of that church were some of those that had been delivered from that prison cell that day <laughs> i wonder if that jailer and his family were some of the key members in that church that he's writing to because if you look at the book of Philippians at the beginning he tells us that he's he's writing to them and the overseers and the deacons the bishops you know I just wonder if some of the people were those that were delivered from that prison that Paul was in they were some of his first church members and they and they grew as leaders and they began to serve in the church and they became elders and deacons in the church that jailer and his family who knows Maybe he was the pastor. I don't know. I haven't studied the church history that much. But he writes to them. It's 10 years later. Guess where Paul writes from? (laughs) A a prison in Rome. This was a prison he didn't get delivered from, he was still in there writing. (laughs) That's how passionate he was about his purpose, it's how consumed he was with his purpose. That even in this prison, he was writing a letter to the church that he had planted. And listen to what he says. This is how, how passionate he was about people and his purposes about people. Listen to what Paul says. He writes to them, he says, for to me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. Wow. What, what a man, he's not afraid. He talk about a revelation of Jesus Christ and he, had, he knew his identity. He said, listen, I, I'm living for Christ. But even if I die, hey, man, that's great. Because I'm going to be with Jesus. He says, but if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. He's saying he he's thinking about himself now. He says, it's far better for me. But then Paul reveals to us here that his purpose is about people. Because he says, it's far better for me. He says, but for your sakes, who? Them, the people. He says, but for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live knowing this. I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Wow, talk about consumed with people and people being his purpose. He's like, he's got this thing going on in his mind. Man, if I die, wow, I get to go be with Jesus. And that really would be better for me. But you know what? If I live, it's gain for the kingdom of God and for Christ, and it's gain for you. So I make a choice to live because my purpose is people. Well. Wow. Freedom Christian Fellowship we have a purpose. This church has a purpose. It didn't come from man. It came from God. It came from God. Not man. God uses man to fulfill his purpose. But the purpose of Freedom Christian Fellowship came from the heart of God. It's a purpose of providence. A design by God as a church. Our purpose, it's personal. God has a, a design for this church. It's personal. He has a plan for this church. It's personal. It's amazing. God's so good. This church has been uniquely designed by God for a unique purpose. We need to own it. We need to own it. We need to own it. Our purpose must be greater than our pain. Got to be. We can't be parked in the parking space that says pain. Our purpose has to be greater than our pain. Because our purpose is about people. (laughs) It's It's about people. The prisoners are listening. The prisoners are listening all over this community, all over this region. You're listening I promise you people are hurting they are hurting they are hurting they are hurting and the purpose of this place must be greater than our pain must be greater than our pain we must see it as a purpose of providence and something that's personal for us yeah will you stand in this advent season why don't you go ahead and join hands with your neighbor just kind of hold their hand there in this Advent season you can see this message all through the scriptures you can see Mary she had a purpose of providence the angel showed up and said boop you're pregnant Jesus That's 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 a purpose of providence if there ever was one right there and you know what it's personal Mary it's you I've chosen you to carry him And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Mary's pregnancy caused her some pain. Not just because she was pregnant with a baby and all that endures, but ridicule from the Jewish community. Outcast because she wasn't married. Her purpose caused her some pain. But you know what? She realized her purpose was greater than her pain. (laughs) because her purpose was about people because she was carrying the Savior of the world inside of her Jesus Christ himself had a purpose of providence it was personal he's the only one that could die on that cross but he had to be born before it could happen and it cost him it was painful but he realized his purpose was greater than his pain because his purpose was about people And so he died on that cross, and then he was resurrected from that grave. Man, I I, I promise you, I'm not going to do it, but I could preach for another hour on this. We have got to get connected with our purpose. And I know you are, and I know you will. And it's about people. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this word today. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these people individually. God, you care about every individual person in this place, in this world. You care about Freedom Christian Fellowship. God, and I pray right now for every person here that says, you know, Pastor, I don't really don't know Jesus Christ, and I want to know his purpose for my life. That's where it begins, is knowing Christ. And Father, I pray for every person here. I believe that your Holy Spirit is drawing them right now. To Jesus. And Father, just as Paul told that jailer, just believe on the name of Jesus Christ and you and your household will be saved. That that's what they need to do today is believe on Jesus, that he loves them. And they need to confess it with their mouth. Mm. And God, they'll be saved. It's just saying, I believe Jesus. I need you. If you're here today and that's you, pray that prayer right where you're standing. But maybe you're here today and you're a believer. And, Father, every person here that's a believer, and, Father, they've got disconnected with their purpose. And and I have been there, Father. I've been in that place of pain where my pain became greater than my purpose, God. And I thank you for delivering me from that place. And, and God, but for every person within the sound of my voice today that their pain right now is greater than their purpose, God, I pray that there will be a healing in their life and there will be a renewing of your purpose in their heart. And God, they'll begin from this day forward to live this life with purpose. To know that you have a plan for them, God. Heal their hearts. Heal their hearts. You say, Pastor, I've been parked in that parking lot of pain. I want you to lift your hand. Anybody here? Thank you, thank you. Hands going up all over this building. You can put them right back down. Anybody else? I've been parked in this parking lot of pain. God wants to touch you today and heal you. Thank you, sir. Thank you for doing that. Took a lot of courage for you to do that. Thank you. Anybody else? I've been parked in this parking lot of pain. Thank you, sir. God has a purpose for your life. Right now, I'm pray, we're going to pray that God will heal every heart and every life. And if you're here today and you prayed that prayer for the first time, asking Jesus into your heart, saying, Jesus, I believe in you. You've never done that. I want you to know you've been born again. And before we leave this place today, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Is stop by our information center back there. We're not not going to uh, embarrass you in any way, but we do have some information for you. And just tell that person back there that, hey, I accepted Christ today. And we're going to celebrate with you. But we're going to pray for every person here that says, Pastor, I've been living in a place of pain. And I really haven't been fulfilling my purpose. I'm going to pray that that be renewed. I know it will. So that you begin, you can begin to pray and praise. And you can see do God, God do great things. Church work, it's about people. God has a purpose for you. It's about people. Father, in Jesus' name, right now, heal every heart. Heal every heart. And we, I just know, God, is supernatural. And it's personal. And God, I ask by the power of your spirit that you do so. And I ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Put your hands together and give him praise, all right?